might have heard that the Talica boys were gonna play some heavy shit tonight. Well, here we are, another edition of Metal Tales from the Road. The boys have picked back up, and uh, they started this jaunt in Tulsa. I'm talking to our friend Sarah Sobic. Hey, Sarah, how you doing? Hey, Clint. I'm good. Sarah came came through last minute. We had uh, the, the dude that was uh, slated to, to do this one. He had to back out, and so Sarah uh, generously is giving us her time once again to tell us all about the Metallica show that she went to. But b- before we talk about Tulsa, though, I did want to hear your story about, I guess, in the State College show, a month ago, however long ago, it could have been 17 years ago for all I know <laughs> at this point, you actually got to go do some of the trivia stuff with Jim. So I wanted yeah. to launch into that and hear what was that like? So, cause you've been hanging out with Jim a little bit at some of these parties, right? Yeah, a little bit. And I, so I went to his show in Poughkeepsie cause I live in New York up near Poughkeepsie and he had his comedy show there the other night. And he, he actually saw me and Pete in the crowd in mid set, like stopped his sentence and was like, Hey, you two are here. Wow. Am I going to see you in Tulsa? <laughs> yeah. I'm sure all the other people are like, what is going yeah. on? <laughs> just pausing the show to just have some like chit chat with you guys. Yeah. Was, how was, was his, how was his show? Like his normal stand up show and that, you know, uh, that's kind of his normal environment. So yeah, he's so good. You know, he's, um, he can really just, uh, I don't know what the improv, like people say things out of the audience and interrupt him all the time. And he can take things on a tangent and just still be like you rolling out of your chair laughing. He can make anything funny. It's so impressive. Like to be yeah. on your toes like that and still be funny. I don't think people realize yeah. how hard or how talented you have to be to really do that. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't even like, I'm five minutes later. I think of something to say back to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> five minutes later, you interrupt him. Jim, Jim. I thought of something funny to say. Yeah. Um, so cool. So you've been spending some time with him and, and going to his other shows outside of Metallica gigs. So how did it come about that you ended up on stage with him? Well, so what he does before he goes on stage is he walks around, you know, where the security area is between the barrier and the, and the stage. And he asks people, do you want to come up on stage and play this game? And so he came to our area and he'd seen us a few nights in a row. So he's like, Oh, okay. You guys seem like you're not crazy. I can bring you up on stage. And he came up to us and I was like, I was like, no way. I don't want to do it. Cause I don't want to embarrass myself in front of thousands of people right. not knowing the answers. Right. I was like, no way. I don't want to do it. And then he goes up to Aaron and Aaron's like, um, I'll do it if Sarah does it with me. And I was like, no, I don't want to do it. <laughs> Oh man! And then he just and then Aaron just looks at me. He's like, "We're doing this," and I'm like, "Fine, we're doing it." You kind of have to in a way. Like, what yeah. an, what a, to be to be on the stage? You know that Metallica's going to be on. Yeah. And you guys did pretty well, right? You did okay at it. Yeah, we we, we kicked butt. Like we did so awesome. Uh, I'm I'm actually really shocked. We would have gotten all of them right. We only missed one, and it was because I didn't hear him. And if I heard the clue, I would have gotten it. So give us some examples. So um, one of them was like 
probably the hardest one that he gave us was trapped under ice. Yeah. So I'm wearing the little thing on my head that says trapped under ice. And Aaron looks at me and <laughs> says drowning. And I'm like trapped under ice. <laughs> wow. I, yeah, I just it, feel like, like I would said, be so bad at it. I feel like I would just yeah. clam up. Well, Aaron and I right before where we were just like kind of thinking through some songs. Like if he says if it's these songs, like what's like one word that would you know it immediately. Right. It so we went hard. through some songs because we had about 15, 20 minutes before we went up there. Wow. What did it feel like being yeah. on stage in front of all those people? I know that's an unusual thing for you. Um, it actually was much more quiet than I was expecting. So, like, at first, I, when I got the first answer right, I was expecting, like, cheers that I could hear, <laughs> like, the whole crowd roaring. Right. Like, I'm some rock star up there, but it was dead silence. So no one, no one <laughs> applauded or anything? Not to like the third one, I started hearing some noise, but the first one, I'm like, I almost like, I think that's why I didn't hear the second, the second clue, because I was paying too much attention to the crowd. Like, why isn't anyone cheering? <laughs> it does kind of seem like an overarching theme of Jim, Jim's, you know, this kind of a, a new weird thing, having a comedian open up a metal show. It seems like mm -hmm. a lot of people don't really know what to do with it, even if they're enjoying it. Like, yeah. like them not really cheering for that. It's kind of like, mm, that's your cue. Yeah. She got it but right. I was, <laughs> I w I'm just so glad we didn't get booed because there was like a couple of times when people got booed Holy and shit. things got thrown on the stage. Yeah, probably by the guy that you mentioned to me earlier who was flipping the band off the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, and, and not that this is happening or anything. I haven't talked to Jim about this, but I, I live in dread of at the Nashville show of him being like, we got the two guys who do a Metallica podcast here and bringing me and Ethan up and me and Ethan mm -hmm. sucking at it. Oh, like I yeah, live in dread of it. That's gonna the thought of it's gonna bother you more than the actual action of it happening. Because you know, if you guys do like to practice, you should just you guys know their entire catalog, like every song, like not maybe word for word, but if you just say go through each song and think of just one word that would describe that song, you could get you you nail. Is it. that the only kind? What are the other kinds of games that he does with folks? Is that the only one he does with Pete with other with fans? Um, that's the only one he's done on stage. Okay. And he hasn't done it the past couple shows. Oh, really? So, yeah. So, yeah, that's interesting. So, for those of you who don't know, uh, Sarah's one of the black ticket holders. So, her and her husband, Pete, and a whole entourage of some of our friends, they're basically going to every show outside of the Canada shows, right? Right. So, how is how has Jim's set evolved? Like, is it is it different every night in terms of maybe he picks certain bits that he does and doesn't do? There's some... Uh, some that he does every single night, but it's not exactly the same every single night. He does something a little bit different each night. Yeah. Um, I, I guess he just, I don't, I don't know how he plans it before he gets up there. If he just feels out the crowd, like what's going to work. Right. Yeah. I, it's probably like that as a performer and a creative guy. He's probably just getting the, the pulse of it. And it's mm -hmm. like you were saying about his ability to improv, <clears throat> him reading the mm -hmm. room and kind of following the energy of the room. I'm yeah. sure it's just like anyone, you know? anyone on yeah. stage in front of people. So explain a little bit about the, the black ticket vibe. So you guys are all traveling together. You guys all cram into a couple of hotel rooms and a van. How's that been? <laughs> so we did that the first leg. We had the two minivans the first leg. And then there was, I think, the second leg that I was just, I have this little tiny car. And I had, there's four people in my car. It's a two-door hatchback. And all our luggage. And, <laughs> and we drove 
everywhere in my little car because it gets great gas mileage. I think I've, is that the car that you drove to the show at? It yes. has the Metallica license plate. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, my I've little tiny yellow yeah. car. I had four people squashed in it with all our luggage. <laughs> wow. You cur- is everyone but, encouraged to pack light? Yeah, we're encouraged to pack light. And actually, probably Pete and I are the ones that violate that rule the most. Yeah. It always amazes me. And like, my wife and I will go somewhere for like two days, and she's got three bags full of crap. Yeah. And our yeah, kids' and crap, too. Yeah, for me and Pete, Pete's the one that does worse than me. I'm pretty good. Yeah, well, you can't. It's hard picking out which Metallica shirt you're going to wear yeah. to the show. And you, you know, I actually try not to wear Metallica shirts to the Metallica show, which really? a lot of people kind of give me crap about sometimes. But I'm like, I'm at a Metallica show. They know I'm here to see them. Right. I'm going to represent somebody else that I like that maybe they'll say, ooh, that's a, she's got pretty good taste or yeah. that's a cool band. Right. I do remember yeah. when I met you and Pete, he was wearing an Anthrax shirt and I was giving him yeah. crap. I was giving him shit about it. <laughs> Anthrax. I, yeah, I was wearing my Metal Up Your Podcast shirt. Nice. <laughs> I love that. I think I'm trying to get make sure everyone who has one wears them to the party next week. Mm-hmm. So that we all look like a little cult. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be fun. So are you kind of, it's kind of coming to an end, the, the caravanning, right? Are you, yeah, are you so bummed? We, well, yeah, we just picked up our minivan today. We have seven people in it and, you know, all of us. I think are over 40. So it's, it's really cramped in there and we're like all kind of falling out of it like a clown car. (laughs) And and all of us are like, Oh my back when I get out of it. So yeah, I'm I'm like sad that the, the trip is kind of ending, but kind of need a break. Yeah. I I bet. Yeah. I mean, as a fan, is it okay to admit like, are you, are you getting kind of tired of seeing it? I mean, what do you, what's your angle on that? I'm not getting tired of seeing it. I don't I don't know what the right word is, but I'm getting kind of tired of all of the things you have to go through to right. see it. Right. Yeah, like cuz you know, we like to be on the rail and you have to get up pretty early in the morning and rough some bad conditions and still hope that you're going to get it. What's your what's the what's the what's your batting average on hitting the rail? Have you guys been on the rail at every show? We've been on the rail at every show that we've lined up for. We've selectively chosen shows not to go on the rail. Okay. Um, we've made it on the rail, but our goal is always to try and get on the rail with our friends or with a group, you know, because you want to be feeling that vibe with your friends. Oh, totally. So, like, last night we all got separated, and it kind of, I mean, it was still fun, but it's not as much fun without your friends. Well, the folks I've talked to who go to this many shows, the, the 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 friend vibe of it is almost even more important than seeing the band. Yeah, so like I, I feel bad saying this. I mean, I didn't do it during the show, but before Metallica and Jim came on, like there's an hour to an hour and a half gap when we first get in there, and there's really nothing going on except like the DJ and stuff. Yeah. Where we're I don't usually bring my phone out during the show because. Feel like that's kind of rude, yeah. but I pull my phone out and I'm like texting Aaron and I'm texting Joe and I'm like, oh, I miss what you, are you guys, guys already. Doing? Yeah. What are you <laughs> like, guys doing are over you? there? I can't see you. I can't see you. Tell me where you are so I can locate you. <laughs> do you do, here's something I always wonder about uh, fr- from the band perspective. So they're seeing you guys on the. They're seeing you guys every single night, and I know sometimes you guys wear like where's Waldo shit and. You, mm-hmm. you told me for Birmingham, you guys are dressing up like Freddy Krueger, or at least wearing yeah. the sweater. Do, do yeah. you do you see any recogn- signs of recognition on the faces of the band members? I I do sometimes. Like they'll smile and kind of give you like a little wink or right. a nod or something like that. But we get more uh, 
more love from the uh, from the crew. Right. So like the crew definitely recognizes us. I mean, Metallica might say, "Oh, I they look familiar. I might have seen them before." But um, the crew definitely recognizes us. That's cool. So have you, are you, you know. on, are you on like a basis with them where you're friendly with them and all that stuff? They, do, uh, they yeah, know your, like, do they know your names and stuff? They they know our names now, but there was like there's been a few things we've gone to, and there's been like a little bit of after party, not like anything major, but like we went to a comedy show for Joe Sib, the guy who um, who was working with Jim Brewer, mm-hmm. and after and the crew came. So after it was at a bar, so we're all just kind of hanging out, having drinks. So we basically like met the entire crew, and we we're there for a couple hours talking, and you know. And actually getting to know each other than them just saying, hey, you're the girl, you know, I see you every, I've been wondering what your name is. Right. Yeah. I did see that Jim threw a party for the crew, right? Did you see that? Yeah. Yeah. That looks pretty yeah, nice. He's, he's so nice. Like, and he really loves this Metallica family vibe that's going on. And he's like, let's have dinner. Let's, you know, I want to have, I think they had a um, talent contest. They right, right. They had a big dinner. They, they've been doing a lot of stuff. You know, they're in the same bus too. Yeah. Yeah. The crew is they're all on, they're they're probably on a couple of buses. Yeah, so I, I know that he shares a bus with some of the crew, and I and maybe it's two buses, but they all kind of travel together. That's fun. You do we when uh I was in kind of an upstart rock band, and we were signed to Zach uh, Brown's record label, and so he took us on tour with him, and it was just four of us in our band, but they split us up on all their crew buses, and the crew bus mm-hmm. I was on was all the lighting guys. And uh, you do kind of get tight with them when you're working together and traveling that way. Mm-hmm. I can see that. So before we get into the Tulsa show, one thing I'm curious about also, what's been your favorite show? Or do any of them poke out that way? Like what um, might be a favorite? Oh, I, geez, I don't know. <laughs> um, I still, and it's not on this tour, but my, well, it's on the World Wired tour, but mm-hmm. not this, like this um you know, the five legs of this tour that's going on right now. My favorite show I went to was the the Uniondale one the, on Long Island. The arena show, right? Yeah, that, it was like the first arena show they did in the States. Yeah, and they, they, played, this started. And they played Ride the Lightning. And... Yeah, it was a, that was a great show, and it was, um, you know, and Gene was there. Mm-hmm. So it was like friends that I don't get to see at all the shows all the time. Yeah. So it was, and it was just the first arena show out of all those stadiums, and it I was know. just such an, a good experience. That, have, so that one always sticks out. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen it yet. Birmingham will be my first mm-hmm. one. Are you, are you going to try to get over to uh, Europe for the yeah, stadium tour? Yeah, I'm going to try. <laughs> cool. Yeah. That's amazing. Thank goodness we have people like you that can go do all this and just report back to us. Yeah. <laughs> I can just stay in my studio and not oh, see my- anybody. You only live once, and, you know, we don't have kids, so it's it's easier for us to just, you know, we don't have something, I don't want to say something's holding people back, but it's like when you're a parent, you have this whole other set of responsibilities that you have to put before your wants and neat desires, and we can just kind of do whatever we want whenever we want as long as we can pay our bills. You know what, speaking of that, someone just texted me and asked if I was going to the Little Rock show tomorrow, mm-hmm. and... Initially, I'm like, no, I can't swing it. But I realized my family's out of town until Monday, and I don't really have anything to do, and it's a five-hour drive for me. Oh, my God. Just, you should totally do just it. Just speaking of, like, obligations and stuff, like, I don't really have any tomorrow. It, it, it's a weird feeling, right? Well, I'm like, God damn it. Should I, should I just drive to that show? Because I would, I would be able to get a ticket. I, I have a way to get in, so it's just like, 
man, do I just want to do that? It's really just a question of do I want to do it? You totally want to. <laughs> I'm just thinking about after it, like getting a hotel or like trying to drive back. That's going to be the tough thing. You can always crash with somebody here. Well, I was got to think plenty, we got plenty of room. How many hotel rooms are you guys rocking? We've got two and we have an adjoining room door and we can we can get like a roll away. We can do whatever. <laughs> All right. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to have a spiritual session and think about it. I might yeah. I might do it. It might be fun because you oh only live God. once and I don't know when they're going to be touring again. Exactly. And when you are tied down and you have an opportunity to do something, you have to take advantage. All right. I'm it's that's I'm leaning toward into the positive column for that for sure. <laughs> You will not be disappointed. Okay. I mean, if you if you have like your family's blessing and you know you won't be disappointed. Okay. Well, all right. I'm gonna marinate on that. So let's talk about <laughs> the uh, the Tulsa show. So did you guys get in the day of the show or the day before or what? Um, we got in around 11 p.m. the night before. Okay. And I imagine we like we talked about before. You probably crashed so you can because you're probably getting up early to try to do rail stuff, right? Yeah. So we we did rail yesterday, which wasn't too bad other than we got separated um you know it was me aaron pete and joe and we were like running down the aisle together and we got there and there was like only room for one person so i think aaron was on kirk's side pete and i were on rob's side joe was like between kirk and lars like we just got all jacked up (laughs) from the time that you hit the rail to the time that you hear ecstasy of gold how long is that um so we go in around 5.50, so say 6 o'clock. Yeah. Ecstasy of Gold starts around 8.45. So that's a commitment, because then you got the whole yeah. Metallica show, which is a couple of hours. Yeah. Wow. What was the crowd like? The crowd, well, so I couldn't really see behind me, because I, you know, I'm short. So even if right. I turn around, I'm just going to see somebody's chest. Right. Um, but I know the crowd is kind of wild, just because of the band's reaction to the crowd. I know there was some, at least one guy back there, I don't know if he was drunk or or just a, you know, just being belligerent, was giving the finger to the band all night. Yeah, and you said James called him out? Yeah, James called him out. He's like, hey, buddy, we see you. Uh, maybe you're at the wrong show. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably was Dave Mustaine. Was he wearing a hoodie? Was he, was he masked? Yeah, they should have put his picture up on one of the screens so we could see it. It's got to be a weird feeling, too, and, like, you know, you're used to everyone. Obviously, they paid for the ticket, and they're there to have a good time, mm -hmm. and to have a guy bringing that kind of vibe to it, it's like, okay. And just the energy it takes to, like, even if I didn't like, like, I don't like Megadeth, I'm not going to go to a Megadeth show and do that. I wouldn't dream Mm -hmm. of it. Yeah, and, you know, and I can't imagine, like, I know people, you know, drink and stuff when they go out, and I've had a few drinks, but I... I try not to let myself get to that point where I'm not going to remember things because right. you want to have a memorable experience. You're going to you're paying a lot of money for these tickets. They're not cheap. I mean, I wouldn't want to waste that kind of money and have no memories. Well, right. And for me, drinking it like you know, I started to get tired too sooner. Yeah, I yeah. prefer to just drink, have a. I prefer to celebrate after the show. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right, so you, you having seen this, so it, you know it's apparent to all of us now that they're they basically are playing mostly the same set with some rotating slots. So we don't have to spend too much time. Unless is there anything notable about when the boys came out or the the kind of the one two punch of Hardwired and Atlas and Seek? Anything interesting about those tunes? Um, no, nothing significantly different. 
Did the boys um, seem? Did they seem refreshed? Because they're coming. It's been a couple of week break. Or how how long has it been since the last show? It was uh, December, around like December twelfth or something. Maybe December 9th, somewhere around there. And so it's been a good long break. So they did the Cornell show, and I know that uh, our friend Wes was at HQ, and he was kind of he wasn't like giving us details or showing us pictures, but he was just like, hey, the boys are practicing for the, uh, rehearsing for the Chris Cornell show. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then I know that they got to Tulsa maybe a day or two early and just rehearsed on the stage. But did they seem refreshed and ready to rock? Yeah, they seemed refreshed and um, looked happy to be back out. Nice. Yeah. So Holier Than Now is the kind of one of the rotating slots, which, man, that's so exciting. Do you, mm-hmm. do you guys, because you go to all the shows... Or do you guys have like a an algorithm for what they might be playing in that slot? I I'm actually I don't go in like I know there's some that rotate, but I'm every time I'm hopeful it's going to be something new or something deep. Yeah, something we've I'm not I don't mean new, but I mean new like we haven't heard it on right. this tour. Right, something that we haven't heard in a really long time, or just something super deep that they hardly ever play or never have played. It seems like towards the end, like in those December shows, we were getting stuff like Leper Messiah, No Remorse. Mm-hmm. Like it seemed like they were kind of digging deeper towards the end of that leg. Well, and even in the beginning when they were playing stuff like Unforgiven Three no or Leaf No Leaf Clover, like stuff that you're just like. Oh my god, I can't even believe I'm hearing this right now. I know, I don't know why they really that was kind of the first couple of di- like Lincoln and Madison. Yeah. And then they kind of backed off of that. Yeah. For most of the tour kind of until the, the December shows. Like seeing yeah, so seeing I- Leopard Messiah and Phantom Lord and stuff I was like, "Holy shit, they're they're digging yeah. deep again." Holier than now though, I've never seen it live. I would love to see that next week. Yeah, that it's that's a great one. Yeah. And I like that it's kind of short and sweet too. Mm-hmm. Which is unusual, you know. That's unusual for them. Uh, and the Unforgiven, which they don't play as much in the arenas either. You guys got the Unforgiven mm-hmm. next. How was that? That was good, you know. And it's it's always because I he, we are around a lot of people who are from the city, so they're not black ticket holders. This right. is the only concert they're going to. Right. And to I love hearing their excitement. Yeah. So when that and when they recognize the song that's coming, they're like, oh my god, they're going to play Unforgiven. Like they they hear the intro and they know what it is and hearing them so excited that's such I a great that. pers- that's such a great perspective on that i feel the same way and you know mm-hmm. that's where the band's coming from that's yeah people complain about the set list and stuff but that's what mm-hmm. the band is thinking about they're thinking about the person who may not be able to see them again you know maybe the last time they were at a lot of these markets were like 10 to 15 years ago yeah you know or you know the the person who's been a fan since the 80s and got married has kids and like this is their one chance to go. Right. Say, you know, saved up their money, got a babysitter, you know, whatever, and they're just so happy to be there. Yeah, I mean, for people our age, it's a big investment. Because mm-hmm. yeah, it's, even if you don't have a kid, but yeah, getting a kid as a babysitter and paying for dinner for the getting a pizza yeah. for them, and then you want to go to dinner and have a cocktail, and then you want to buy the T-shirt, and you already bought the ticket. Yeah. And, and you're going to be fucking tired the next day for work, and it's, yeah. it's a big deal. And so it is. I, I like that the Metallica guys sort of take responsibility for that and how they choose mm-hmm. the set list. And I think the rotating slots where they can go deep is great. You know, yeah. I think that's kind of the best way to appease everybody. But yet there are still people who get bummed. Mm-hmm. All right, so moving on to the now that we're dead, we've all talked about the drum thing forever. I guess that probably falls into the same category of like. We've all seen it, and we all have our thoughts about it, but if, mm-hmm. if that's your first time seeing it, I'm sure it's still, yeah. it's a lot of fun for people. 
And I think, the, you know, and I'm on the other side of most people where I actually really like that. Right. But I like it because of the vibe they have with each other. And, you know, you can see they're having fun. Yeah. So, I mean, that to me, that's what it's about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, and I like how I like how Lars kind of like roams around like he's kind of like leading it, you know. But it really yeah. seems like James is kind of the leader almost for the drum part. Mm-hmm. You and know? you know, it, when you see it, because it'll be your, you saw it on the on the uh, arena, the, right? No, I saw the stadium. Oh, sorry, the stadium. I mixed my. It's been a long night. Right. <laughs> but um, I saw so it with like the, the big drums, and now yeah. they do it in the cubes, right? And and now you'll see it closer, um, closer up, and you'll see that James when he's playing, he kind of, you know, he, he's a drummer too, and he mm-hmm. like he gets lost in it. You look at him; he's got his eyes closed. He's totally into it. It's. I love watching it. I, man, I love that too. It, not, it wasn't during the drum part, but I was on the rail in the snake pit in um, St. Louis, and mm-hmm. when he came out to Hardwired, he had his eyes closed, and it was like, oh, it was. It scared me almost. I was like, oh, this dude, mm-hmm. this dude means it. Like this dude isn't fucking around. He's not going through the motions. Like he looked so intense. Yeah. You know. He's feeling it. Right. He's yeah. he's an intense dude. And that's, yeah. you know, that's kind of why, that's why we're all feel so connected to it, obviously. Mm-hmm. So then we get creepy. The, I love the one, two punch of creeping death into bells. I like the, right, yeah. the lightning sauce there. Mm-hmm. Um, anything cool going on there before we get to the, halo? The, the best part about creeping death is, you know, when everyone's chanting die and mm-hmm. it's like, you know, there's a part in it when James is kind of chanting with you, like saying, making you chant, but it's awesome when everyone starts doing it before him and he's kind of like looks out like, wow, they're doing it. Yeah. It's like the, it's, they engineered that moment into the song probably mm-hmm. before they really even knew what they were doing in 1984. Yeah. It's just funny to think about all these years later. That's such a huge anthemic moment in the set. Yeah. It's awesome. And it's, you know, just I, I'm a really big crowd watcher. I love to just feel I like to feel everyone's emotions going on around me. Like, even though I'm there, I love living what they're living. Sure. Yeah. What's some so of the weirdest stuff you see in the people watching department? <laughs> it actually happened last night. The best thing I was like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. So there's a girl standing next to me <laughs> and I'm on Rob's side and Rob comes down, you know, if you get a chance and you can get the rail, go on Rob's side. He gives you guys so much love. Like he'll come up, he'll shake your hand. He'll, you know, he'll let you touch him. Like, it's being on his side. He's very fan friendly. Hmm. So he walks. We were on that um, almost on the corner between him and Lars. So he actually walked a little further out to our, our area. And this girl wasn't expecting him. And she turned around and he was right there. And she <laughs> screamed like, you know, like a little girl that <laughs> just saw her idol screams. And then he she touched he touched her and she's like, oh, my God, I love you. And she's he's he just la- like it kind of shocked him at first. And he laughed and took a step back and then kind of came back to her and let her let her shake his hand and whatever. And then he walked away. And then um, his one of his assistants came out and gave her a set list and she fainted. Oh, man. Wow. <laughs> just so overwhelmed with the experience. Yeah, just, yeah. So overwhelmed and so excited. She actually fainted. <laughs> I mean, how long was she out? Um, it was really fast. Like the <laughs> the guy that was standing with her, I knew him, and he caught her when she fell, and it, she came right back. But I was like, "Oh my god, that was the best thing I've wow. ever seen in my like, life." I don't think I've ever caught one of those, like a real fainting in the wild. Yeah. I don't think I've I mean, ever seen it. 
it took 58 shows and I saw the best moment of my life last night. Holy shit, that is so funny. <laughs> yeah. That is so funny. It's amazing the kind of power that these dudes have, you know, yeah. o- over us. Like, like just be, get so overwhelmed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there was a really sweet lady next to me <clears throat> at the St. Louis show and she was like, she kind of told me a lot about her life, but she like she was a manager at a Wendy's and worked really hard and didn't really have a lot of money and seeing mm-hmm. you know, seeing the Metallica was something that she really saved for and the whole show was real emotional for her and there were a lot of moments in the show where she would put her head on my shoulder and she was crying and she was crying and which was you know I'm that's it was kind of intense for me because I'm not a very touchy dude but. It was sweet, you know, like mm-hmm. it was sweet to see her. I imagine you've seen that before, too, like people getting yeah. so overwhelmed that there may be a little little wet eye cry vibe. Yeah. And I love it when people are like that around me because I'm really huggy. I like to hug people. So I'm like, you can Ooh, hug come me. Here. Uh, yeah. yeah, come here. I'll, I'll pat your back. I'll rub your head. <laughs> <laughs> You're like the mama bear at the, on yeah. the rail. The mama bear on the rail. Actually, uh, Jean just gave me a new hashtag. I'm, ha- I'm hashtag tour mom. Okay, nice. <laughs> yeah. That's an important job. Yeah, so I'm I'm very like motherly. <laughs> what about the opposite? What about you know, especially speaking of being on the rail? What about people being aggressive or? I mean, I know that the vibe's different at shows. We're all getting older yeah. and people have mellowed out, but there's still those aggro type head banging dudes. Yeah, we had a um, I don't know. I think it was maybe Sacramento or I don't think it was Fresno. But um, somebody right behind us, they were fighting and had to be dragged out and were getting crushed. But last night, no one touched us. I, I felt like I had so much room on the rail. I felt like I was in my own little bubble. Wow. Yeah. So it's, it's different. It's just, you know, depends on the crowd. And a lot of the uh, venues have been dry. So it's different when there's alcohol involved, too. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. I know that for me as a performer, when we hear that we're playing a dry show, it's kind of a bummer for us because mm-hmm. we kind of like the loose, the looseness of a crowd that's got some drinks. But at the same time, yeah. people definitely <laughs> act less <laughs> like assholes when they haven't been drinking. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So moving on to Halo on Fire. And this is, of course, where they do their doodles. And I'm seeing mm-hmm. it. It's a song called You Dropped a Bomb on Me. Do you know what that is? Um, it's like uh, it's I've heard it before. It's not. It's like, I want to say, I don't know what year, but it's like funk, like funk kind of music. Okay. And I was actually, we were talking in line trying to guess what they were going to doodle because they do local bands. And I don't remember them saying who sang that, but uh, we were thinking it was going to be Hanson because Hanson oh. is from, where was I last from night? Tulsa. Oh, Tulsa. <laughs> <laughs> the Hanson's from Tulsa. And I was like, are they going to really do Umbop? Like, that's the only song I could think of from You know, Hansen. another super famous band, I think from Tulsa, or maybe it's Oklahoma City, but it's the Flaming Lips. Oh, wow. But yeah. I don't know if you saw the Metallica's Instagram, but <clears throat> James, I guess they went and visited Kane's Ballroom, which is a, it's like a 600 cap club in Tulsa mm-hmm. that they used to play at, like in the mm-hmm. early days that I've played at a few times. It was really weird to see this. There's a picture of James right in front of Kane's. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we actually met a guy in line that was, um, I, I don't know. He, I mean, I hate to say older, but probably my age or a little bit older, but he looked older. Mm-hmm. He was in a wheelchair and he comes up. He's like, so like going up to everybody. He's like, when was your first show? When was your first show? And he said his was. Like 1983 at that Canes. Wow. Yeah. Uh, probably on the the uh, All for One tour with Raven. Yeah, that's what it, he said. It was with Raven. Oh my God. Yeah. Holy shit. 
Yeah, so I was like, wow, because like Pete went to a show in '86, and I'm always like impressed that Pete went to one so early. And was that one of the, Was that one of the Aussie shows, or what? Which yeah, one? at at Nassau Coliseum. Wow. Yeah, so he, the same one that was Jim Brewer's first show. So Jim Brewer tells the story of his first show, and it's the same show. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Small world. Yeah, small world. So I'm always super like impressed when people have been friends since the actual beginning, like. You know, because, you know, Pete, in 86, I'm like, wow, you really are a fan. <laughs> yeah, you really are a nerd. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> okay, so moving through the... So the next song I was shocked to see, and I guess it's not that surprising, is they did Head Injury, the Soundgarden cover, which is one of the two mm -hmm. Soundgarden tunes they played at the Cornell Tribute. How did that go over? It it went over well because, after, like, I think everyone was a little bit confused at first. I was confused because I love Soundgarden. I love Chris Cornell. But I'm not that familiar with the catalog. And that's a deep cut for sure. Yeah. So I, I looked at Pete and I'm always like trying to listen to see if it's a new song that I've never heard before at a show. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, finally, I got to hear this. And I looked at Pete and I'm like, I don't think I've heard this one before. What is this? Right. <laughs> and um, I don't think he knew either. And then at the other, he said that was that was for Chris. That's a Soundgarden song. OK, so, so he, everybody... he said that at the end. Yeah. After he was done, he said that. And then the crowd cheered even more. Hmm. I wish they would have done one cover and one more well-known Chris Cornell song. Mm -hmm. It's it's cool. It's kind of like hip that they did a bunch of deep stuff, but I would have loved to have heard them do one of the hits. Yeah. Um. Move, then we get the the. I don't even call it the load reload slot. It's a reload slot because they're either playing Fuel or Memory Remains. You got Memory Remains. Yeah. I'm sure that's Which fun. Was, fun yeah, moment with the sing along. Excited. Yeah, super excited about that because I feel I love Fuel too, but I feel like I've seen Fuel a lot more. Really? Yeah. I wonder how. Yeah, I'd be interested to see how that shakes down because the two times I saw them in the same tour, I got Fuel both times, and it was I've, mm -hmm. same deal. I was like, well, it's fine, it's good. I wouldn't mind some variety. Yeah. I wish that whole slot was dedicated to a load and reload. Yeah. You know, pick and even if well, it was you, just the hits from all of them. We got kind of lucky in line because we were like number. I was like number five in line and the first two guys in line brought their little, you know, Bluetooth speaker and we're playing Metallica and they were playing strictly load reload. Nice. Yeah. So we were listening to that the whole time before we went in. It's funny. It's like, a, it's almost like a form of protest. <laughs> we're only this loaded reload only over here. Yeah. I, you know, I've always liked load and like last week you guys did your episode and I was like, I just, I love it even more. Every time I hear it, I love it more. I know. It's those two records more. And, you know, I know this about you and you know this about me. We love all of Metallica's records. Mm -hmm. But but those two in particular are the ones that seem to keep giving back. Like, mm -hmm. they're the most rewarding ones for me to keep listening to. I'll hear kind of a weird guitar thing or I'll hear a harmony or a lyric will hit me different. Whereas the other classic records, they hit me the same way, you know, that they hit me when I was a kid. Yeah. There's not like a lot of new revelations yeah. for me listening to Creeping Death. But for some reason, whether it's Fixer or The House That Jack Built or Slither or King Nothing, they hit me different. It's cool. Mm-hmm. I wish you know, they... And I think... Go ahead. I think people always... You know, because people think they were sellouts. Like, you know, when they did a Black Album and they did Low Reload, that they're selling out. Right. Um, but I think the exact opposite. I think that Metallica is so real that they play what they're feeling in that moment of time. Right, I agree. There's and a it, real there's a really interesting interview with James in that time. 
it's it's really weird. It's like a popper. It's like I don't know. It's like someone's filming him and asking him stuff, but it's like he doesn't really want to talk. It wasn't like a promo thing. But they're mm-hmm. they're like, what do you think the fans are going to say about how different the music is? And he, the answer is so good because it feels so candid. And he's like, well, he's like, we we know what we have to do. We know what we're trying to do. The kind of music we want to make. And we really hope everyone can come with us. And if they can't, that's okay too. It was so cool. It was like, they. I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree with you totally. It, it was them yeah. doing what they wanted to do, and I think they obviously gained a lot more fans. But I did. I do think that that was a risk that they took. Mm-hmm. And when you're selling out, you're not taking risks. Selling right. out's the opposite of that. Yep, I agree. <sighs> <laughs> I'm glad we get along on that issue. Yeah. So then we best, got best friends. Best friends. <laughs> <laughs> Poor mom. Hashtag mama bear. So then you get the, the moth, sad but true one, Master Puppets total onslaught of badassery. A, a little unique thing happened during Sad. Okay. James messed up the lyrics at the end. Mm. Yeah. So you know when it's like um, when he's echoing I'm your, the "I'm your dream." So it's "I'm your dreams make make you real," and then that's the lyric basically throughout the song. And then at the end, it's like "I'm your truth." Telling lies. He said, "I'm your dream." He said, "I'm your dreams again." He did the first two, and then he's like, "I'm you." And <laughs> <laughs> he, he he caught himself doing it, and he looked, and he like rolled his eyes, and he's like, "Oh, I'm I'm." He didn't say it out loud, but I, he was right in front of us when he did it. Yeah. And he's like, "Yeah, I messed up." <laughs> did he smile like he, or anything? Or did yeah, he, he just smiled. He kind of like put his little fingers to his head like a gun. Like it looked like he was like doing a little gun to his head. Like, yeah, I messed up. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, and I was like, but he he like totally shook it off, and I get, I'm like, you know, like when I told you when he fell into the hole in, mm, um, yeah, where were we? Was it I Norway, don't remember, Am- Oslo. I think Amsterdam, maybe. We were, okay. It was, I think it was Amsterdam, and uh, he, you know, he's everybody's a little bit on pins and needles because you never know if the old James is going to come back right. out with the temper, right? And, but he really is like taking a moment and like working it out before he anything comes out of his mouth or a reaction. He strikes me, and of course I don't know him, but to, to your point exactly, he strikes me as a guy who's done a lot of work on himself mm-hmm. and has a lot of tools for regulating his emotions. Yeah. Through sobriety, through through it all, through his relationships yeah. and all that stuff. And it's interesting to see that, like, you actually watched that whole synapse happen. Mm-hmm. He messed up. Instead of and being the perfectionist he is, he sort of just dealt with it moved on made a joke maybe yeah. that's cool that inspires me in my life to be more like yeah that. and i was like even though like and he kind of played was goofy about it when he messed the lyrics up last night i'm like oh i love it when he's goofy i'm so proud of him like you know because i because just you know not that anything was really wrong with the way he was before but i know he doesn't want to be that person i i mean <clears throat> it's so weird to talk about it this way because it's we just don't really know him but mm-hmm. I, i've there's something about the the quote unquote old James that mm-hmm. is like exciting, you know. It was powerful, mm-hmm. but but there is a sense of me. It's like I don't know if I would like to hang out with that guy very much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or I don't want to. I yeah. don't want to get sideways with that guy. Yeah. Whereas the the kind of post post Saint Anger James, he seems like I like the dadness of him. I like yeah, all the dad the dadisms of him. You like the Papa Head. Yeah, I like Papa Head yeah, big time. You like Papa Head. I like his stupid jokes and his puns. Yeah. And <laughs> Dad jokes are the best. Yeah, they're the best. They're the best. And now that they've released all the tuning room videos, that that's my favorite part of the tuning room videos. is isn't even really them playing. It's the in-between stuff. 
because you see a lot of his mm-hmm. kind of goofy personality. Yeah, and that's all like candid. It's and it's you know it's not um, it's not set like right. they, that's just his naturalness coming out. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. All right, so then one into puppets and they go off, and you know they're coming back for the encore. Are you are you of the mindset of like uh, maybe let's not do spit out the bone? Cause I'm it, kind of like that right now. Yeah. I am like if they do spit, I'm like I'm still happy, but I was so happy to black it last night and when but. But then at the same time, I actually thought about you and Clint, or you and Ethan, and I was like, I know they want to hear Black, and so yeah. I hope that this isn't taking it from when we're in Nashville or Birmingham or wherever you guys are going to be. Well, luckily, we got the two, so we're going to get some variety, and then mm-hmm. and then Little Rock might be happening tomorrow. Oh, I my God, know. I'm so excited. And then maybe I can see, you know, obviously get another slot in there. Did yeah, they sound was- good on Black, and did it sound tight? Yeah, it sounded tight. And I had a Rob in front of me the whole time, so oh, I got fun. all the echo. Like, That's awesome. And that bridge, you mean the vocal echo stuff? Yeah, the vocal echoes. Like, I got... All the Asians? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's so funny about that is I've... That's, you know, that's in my top five Metallica songs. I've listened to it almost more than any. I don't... I couldn't do the order of all those lyrics if my life depended mm-hmm. on it. <laughs> I don't... You know, I honestly, like... People, somebody asked me the other day what my favorite song was, and I said, Seek and Destroy. And it's like, people are like, why is Seek and Destroy your favorite song? And I'm like, it's the first one I knew all the lyrics to. Right, it's an accomplishment. <laughs> yeah, it's like the first one I got all the lyrics to, and I kill it on Guitar Hero. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. You have a sense of pride about it. Yeah. What, is that, so is that your Metallica karaoke song? Um, yeah. I, People don't really allow me to do karaoke. What? <laughs> I am the world's worst singer. <laughs> but that's what's... See, you're, here's the deal. You know when I boo at karaoke when people are good? I boo them. <laughs> boo! Yeah. Don't be good at it. This isn't American Idol. It's supposed to be bad. Yeah. That's what's so fun I, about it. I'm literally that William Hung guy from <laughs> American Idol. <laughs> she bang, she bang. Yeah. Hey, I was working in a record store in Birmingham when that record came out. And there was a line wrapped around our store three times to oh buy it. Oh, my God. And I'm just ringing people up like, okay, ding, 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 you're an idiot. Ding, 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 <laughs> you're exploiting a, a mentally handicapped person. Ding, 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 you have horrible oh taste in music. Oh, my God. And we had to listen to it in the store. It's like him doing Hotel California and shit. Oh, my God. Brutal. I would I would probably quit. <laughs> it was brutal. <laughs> I'll just never forget that. She bang, she bang on fucking loop. I did karaoke one time. I was on a cruise. And my brother, you know, I have you been on a cruise before? Oh, yeah. You have to pay for your booze. Like, yeah, you can't. The food's free, but the booze is not. And not that I want to get, you know, crazy, but I want to have a couple drinks. Mm -hmm. So my brother in law said, if you do karaoke, I'll buy your drinks for the entire cruise. Whoa. Yeah. So I had a good deal. That's a good deal. I I had to do it. Pete, like literally put a bag over his head while I was up there. (laughs) (laughs) And it was it was a contest and there were judges and I went up there and I sang, and then it was time for me to be judged. And the, one of the judges actually said to me, "Honey, you got guts." Wow, what song did you do? <laughs> um, I did um, Janis Joplin. Uh, oh, what's that? Bobby McGee. Okay, cool. Yeah, and I did it. Oh my God, she would be rolling like, and <laughs> it was horrible. And then you know, you think you're on a cruise. I'm never going to see these people again. The next morning at breakfast, they're like, "Hey, you're the girl from Carrie." Oh yeah, you're you're gonna see him again <laughs> oh, on the boat. <laughs> Maybe yeah, not after that. Like, I thought it, 
Oh, it was horrible. <laughs> so I embarrassed my wife pretty bad on a cruise doing karaoke. Also, I'll tell this story real quick. We found this, cl- you know, cruises are interesting because it's like you, the more you move through them, you're like, oh, there's another restaurant. Oh, a casino. Oh, a movie mm-hmm. theater. Crazy. And we found this. It was like a nightclub and they were doing karaoke and it was completely packed, but it was all black folks. Okay. So that was the vibe. <laughs> And uh, obviously that's A-OK with us. So we go in, we're having a cocktail and some people mm-hmm. are, it's just like any karaoke. Some people are good, some people are bad. And I'm like, I told my wife, I was, cause my karaoke song, my number one song that I do every, whenever we go on tour and go out to, to bars, anytime it's karaoke, I do the song, I do Kiss by Prince and I do oh. it, I do it in like this high falsetto, but I kind of nail it, but it's not good. Like to boo me, it's not like American Idol stuff, but it's just funny and you know, it's a fun song and I'm like. I'm going to go do my version of Kiss by Prince. The whole, it's a room full of black people. They're going to fucking love me. They're going to love this. They love Prince. I go up and do it. They absolutely hated it and hated oh my me. Gosh. Barely clapped. It was just very much like a... Wah, wah. Oh, no. My wife was mortified. Completely horrified. <laughs> so instead of leaving, which is what we should have done, I doubled down and put my name back in the hat and did... Another Prince song called Seven, which is, it was a single, but it's not a very known song. And it's very long and did not go any better. In fact, it was, oh. way, was way worse. Oh, no. So that's my cruise karaoke story. <laughs> we have that in common now. Oh, um, more and more. Well, we're doing karaoke at the party next week. So it's kind of now, <laughs> now you have to go do it. Oh, uh, I better have some drinks. <laughs> there will be drinking there. Drinks will help the nerves go away a little bit. And we'll make Pete get up there, too. We'll see if he's, what he's got. <laughs> hey, since we're, on, some... since we're on Tangent City, there's something I wanted to talk to you about because we were texting about mm-hmm. it earlier, and I figured let's just talk about it on the show. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Freddy Krueger a little bit. Oh, I love him. <laughs> so Sarah's a big, big Nightmare on Elm Street fan, as am I. She's dressing up in the Freddy, the green and red sweater to the show. Uh, what's, do you have a favorite film in the franchise? Uh, well, I'm always going to have, probably my favorite one maybe to watch over and over again is, uh, Dream Warriors. Yeah, absolutely. But my favorite one is, um, just A Nightmare on Elm Street because it's the first one I saw. Yeah. You know, and if I, if I hadn't seen that one, I wouldn't have fallen in love with the whole franchise. And I even really love, uh, Freddy's Revenge. You know, a lot of people don't like it, but I just love, I love any way to bring Freddy back. Like, if there's an idea to bring him back, I'm, like, on board. Freddy's Revenge is so... That's probably the most unique one. Because Mm -hmm. one and three kind of tie in together. You got Nancy in there. Yeah. It it makes more sense. John Saxon's back in there. Freddy's Revenge is, like, a strange one-off. Yeah. But that's a fascinating one. That's part two, right? Yeah. It's almost like... Well, I guess the difference is Wes Craven did, did one and three. Right. And then they had a different guy do too. I've kind of got a soft spot for Freddy's Dead, the sixth one. Yeah, I, I love Freddy's Dead too. I I love them all. I, it's it's kind of like Metallica songs. Like I can't pick, or Metallica albums, I can't pick one. I'm like, I love, all, I love them all. And I'll tell you what, Wes Craven's New Nightmare is pretty dope too. And it holds up pretty yeah. well. I, I recently, we watched it and I was like, damn, this is still scary. It is. It, because it's it, it's building on the fear of the people who were in the movie. Yeah, totally. It's it, like this is really happening to me in real life. It came outside of the movie. It was so that was such a smart premise. Yeah. For people who don't know, Freddy's Dead, which was number six, like that's what they called it, Freddy's Dead, because New Line Cinema they were going to end the franchise and kill Freddy, 
And then Wes Craven had the idea of like, well, let's get all the real actors like Heather Langenkamp who played Nancy, mm -hmm. and then Freddie's kind of fucking with them in real life. That was great. Yeah, it's awesome. What do you think about Freddie versus Jason? Well, I still think Freddie won. You know, he's at he the end. He definitely won. Yeah, he's won. carrying a mask. He's winking. You, you know, you can't have a character like Jason, who's kind of like a real life character, fight somebody who's in your dreams. Absolutely. I, I've made that argument ever since that damn movie came out. They're like, well, he cut his yeah. head off. I'm like, he's winking at you. Yeah, he's winking. <laughs> you can't cut off a demon's head. He'll he'll grow his body back <laughs> down out of it. Yeah. He's Freddy Krueger. Yeah. And, you know, I, I do like Fr Friday the 13th, but I only like the first couple of them. It's like, Freddy, I, it does not get old to me. I can watch, they can make 15 more movies and I'll be into it. Yeah, I agree. I, Friday the 13th, definitely the, the first two when his mom's the killer are great. Mm -hmm. And then they, they kind of start to get weird. I kind of have a soft spot for Jason Takes Manhattan. But um, they don't they don't compare at all to Freddy for me. Yeah, No me fucking either. way. He has too much personality. Yeah. The only the franchise that comes close to that for me is Hellraiser because Pinhead, like Freddy, has so much personality. And you know, it's all about the actor. Yeah. Yeah, Robert mm -hmm. England is amazing. Yeah. You have to have an actor that portrays that character and, like, how can anybody else in the world that's like, you know, does the things that Freddie does be like charming? Like you want him to win. Yeah, he, he's funny. He's he's interesting. Mm -hmm. he, he's got a lot of pizzazz. He's very cre he's creative. Yeah. Yeah. And Robert England, he does play that character with that kind of like sparkle in his eye. He, it's mm -hmm. like he's so excited to be Freddie. And it's like you're like, this guy is such a creep, but I want to be friends with him. <laughs> Well, they were smart, and because with the reboot that they did with that Jackie Earl Haley guy, mm -hmm. they brought back in all the elements of him being a pedophile, and so yeah, they made they made that so dark. It, it was just it was so dark, and, I, and and it's like anytime they remake this stuff from the eighties, like they they did it with, um, I know Texas Chainsaw Massacre was the seventies, but the, they try to make the new remakes like super gritty and dark. Mm -hmm. They just take it too far. Like I don't think that's yeah. what we all liked about them. Right, so, it's so, like you almost forget that Freddie did that stuff. Well, the, the the narrative they went with with the classic films with Robert England was that he was a child killer, and right. they they sort of they sort of you know show and don't tell much about that, and you sort of come to your conclusions and you sort of piece it together yourself. Mm -hmm. But with the new one, they just sort of like really tried to spell it all out, like all these right. kids were like being abused in the basement. It's like oh god, yeah. it just made it. It just made you feel kind of gross watching it. Yeah, and I mean, it, and it was a great movie. It was a good movie. I'd watch. It's it pretty again. scary. Yeah, I've seen. Yeah, I've, I've it, watched it multiple times. It's pretty good. But I just like it. There was like no. I don't. I don't know. Like I could be best friends with Freddy Krueger, Robert England. I don't think I could be best friends with Freddy Krueger. Um, what's his name? Jackie Earl Haley. Jackie Earl. I re just remember him from Bad News Bears. <laughs> I forgot he was in that. Yeah. So Kelly Leake. Speaking Kelly Leake and Bad News Bears. Oh my God, you have that's a very detailed information that you're drawing <laughs> from your subconscious. Yeah, and like that's what I picture. I'm like, how do you turn that character into this Freddy Krueger that's like so dark? With speaking of wanting to be his friend, I used to have because I was obsessed with him when I was a kid. I used to have nightmares about him a lot. Oh and really? I did. Yeah, I did. And then one of them. He's pulling me under my bed, and under the bed, it's like the movie Little Monsters. There's like an underworld. It was basically hell. He's pulling me into hell. And as he's pulling me, I'm literally shouting this to him in my dream. Freddie, please don't. I'm your number one fan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
like that he was, is the best thing I've ever heard. Like he was going to be like, oh, okay, well, let me release you back into the... He's like, let me release you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm really pleased and touched that you said that. Well, there we go. We did our Freddy convo. We could go a lot deeper on that, but I wanted to just get it documented. We have a, we have a lot of people listening to this who like horror movies. They're going to get a yeah. kick out of that. You know, I used to be, I don't know if it's still going, but I think at one time, um, uh, Aaron and Bob O'Rourke mm-hmm. and I, we were involved in this, um, like a horror movie club where we would watch a different horror movie every month and then we would talk about it. Well, how, where's my, did my invitation get lost in the mail? <laughs> what yeah, the I hell? I know Bob. Everyone, everyone just kind of went off on their own and we haven't done it in a really long time. So I have to see what's going on with that. How long ago did you guys do that? It's probably we have probably haven't done it in two years. Wow. Okay, so you've known yeah. him for a while. I met Aaron at Orion in Atlantic City. I'm talking about Bob. Oh, and Bob, I actually just met in person in Milwaukee. Okay. But I've known him through Facebook and through Metallica Club right. and through horror movie stuff. He goes for, to a lot of the conventions and stuff. I yeah. know Aaron. I know Aaron does so, that a lot too. So we've been friends that way. Probably since 2011. Hmm. So maybe about 10 years, but I actually just met him for the first time. Wow. Yeah. The power of the Metallica family. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. It's crazy. I'm so excited you, you feel like to you see know, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. You feel like you know everybody. It's like, how are we just meeting for the first time? I know. Isn't that surreal? Yeah. Well, whether it's tomorrow in Little Rock or, or uh, Tuesday in Birmingham, I'm super stoked to see everyone. Are you guys going to be able to come to the pre-show party in Birmingham? Well, it's not really a I'm, party. I'm going. I'm going. I don't know if I know that everyone else wants to get on their rail, so oh, like I have right, to like decide right. rail or party. But I really want to go. You don't have to come. If you want to get the rail? I always want to get the rail. You should go get the rail then. But um, it, Birmingham is actually Aaron's last show with us on this leg. Okay. So he's like, oh, I really want to do the rail with you guys. And I'm like, we That's probably a, would. So he's not coming to the Nashville show or the, par- or the party? No, I'm oh, so bummer. bummed. Yeah, so bummed. He's got to get back and get to work. Yeah, he's got a daughter yep. and, you know, Kendall in. So. Mm-hmm. Well, I totally get that. My hat's off to yeah. any, any dad out there doing a good job and getting around this family and they're so cute. Like they do FaceTime every day, and <laughs> she did FaceTime. I think we were oh, we were just on our, our drive here, and we were stopped for food, and she FaceTimed him, and he's like, "Oh, did you want to? Did you call to tell me something? Like, is something going on?" She's like, "No, I just wanted to say hi." Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> and it says a lot about him as a dad too. You know, she, yeah. she likes him. She misses him when he's not there. That's great. Yeah, it's so cute. We're now and now we're doing like a, a family counseling podcast. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'm like the the mom. Like, who needs a hug? I'm here. <laughs> yeah, totally. Hugs are healing. Healing hugs. Yeah. Healing hands. Hugs, hugs, not drugs. Yeah, exactly. Maybe some <laughs> drugs, just soft drugs. Yeah. Hugs and soft drugs. Well, Sarah, thanks so much for taking time. I know that you guys are traveling all day and you're tired and you've got more shows to go check out. And we we'll really appreciate you keeping us. Uh, up to speed on the Tulsa show and otherwise. Oh, no problem. No problem. Anytime. And uh, I'll let you know what's going to happen tomorrow. Cool. I'm so excited. Either way, I'm, I'm excited because I know I'm going to see you guys. Definitely Nashville and maybe for a minute in Birmingham. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, cool. Well, thanks a lot. Go get some sleep. 
You're welcome. You know how hard it is when you hang up? Like, I'm really, like, you know how you just hang up with, like, your wife or your daughter, and you're like, I love you, bye-bye. Yeah, yeah. No, you hang up. You count three <laughs> you and you hang up. up. you hang up. Wait, you didn't hang up. I know, but neither did you, though. <laughs> okay, like, out of three. Yeah, I remember doing that. I used to fall asleep on the phone with my girlfriend when oh. I was in middle school. Oh, yeah. With the phone cord still, like, wrapped around you, like. <laughs> oh, yeah. When I would talk, to, anytime I would talk to girlfriends on the phone, when the conversation was over, without knowing it, I had just gone and picked up a million different things. You're like, you just fidget with shit. Yeah. Like, what am I doing holding a pair of scissors and uh, a ruler? And you ever, you know what I'm talking about? You ever done that? Yeah. Realize, like, you get done with the phone call and you're like, who am I? Who was yeah, in my like, body for the last hour? And I'm all tangled up in the phone cord and I have yeah. to, like, untangle myself and place everything I'm holding down so I can figure out how to hang the phone up. I can't. I don't want, I don't want to go. You go. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just fall asleep together. Our Aww. parents will understand. <laughs> well, having said all that, it is time to split seas. Okay. But I do appreciate it, and I am very much looking forward to seeing you and Pete and the whole gang. Yeah, we can't wait. I'm so excited. All right. Well, peace out. Okay. Have a good night. Talk to you soon. Hey, this is Ethan and Clint from Metal Up Your Podcast, and we want to talk to you about something we love called Patreon. That's right. Patreon is a way for fans of the show to give back to the show to donate money that uh, helps us in quality and content. And not only that, but we've actually come up with all sorts of fun incentives to give back to you for supporting the show. Exactly. For instance, if you donate $5 or more, you get access to Cover Our World Blackened, which is the official Metal Up Your Podcast Metallica cover EP. That's right, and that's the only way to get it. In addition to the EP, we also give you priority email access, meaning we'll read your email first on the show. We give you early access to Patreon-exclusive merchandise, Patreon-exclusive giveaways, and any other side projects Ethan and I might be involved in. There's all sorts of things you can look at on there and you can donate to. Go check it out. Patreon.com slash Metal Up Your Podcast. How do you spell that, Clint? P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Metal Up Your Podcast. And if you really think about it, $5 a month for an entire year, that's really just like a cup of coffee a month. So go check it out. Thanks, everyone. Peace. Adios.